0: Welcome to the Esports Network Podcast. We talk about anything and everything related to esports. I'm your host, Kevin Correa. And of course, besides the everything uh, kind of moniker that we've been going with, we also have to talk to the consultants behind the scenes, helping kind of move some wheels, move some gears in motion, make things happen for some brands and companies out there who are trying to get into the business or are curious about it. So here to help me do that, let's welcome in Christian Martin, an entertainment industry consultant. Of course, Christian Martin has his own firm, Christian Martin & Associates. Uh, Christian, thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you kind of bringing in your unique perspective and and helping us through this uh, this cool cool podcast episode.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. Happy to be here. Glad to be on the show and excited to talk with you today.
0: For sure. So for, for people who don't know you, know you, of course, uh, entertainment industry business specialist, which is a long way to say, you know how things work in the entertainment space. You spent more than six years launching new products and, and programs for startups for, you know, sports, music and gaming sectors. I mean, you're like I said, currently your own firm, Christian Martin Associates, you don't get your own firm just based off of, you know, luck and, and anything like that. It, it takes a lot of hard work to get that going. And so So, obviously, comprehensive knowledge of this entire kind of sector with with a bunch of clients we'll get into in a bit. But uh, a lot of your, I guess, your career background generally revolved around sports and entertainment. What led you to explore that specific avenue for livelihood?
1: Yeah, I think... Where it kind of starts off, I've always been a creative like individual, and I think when it comes to reality, like I've always wanted to put a fun spin on reality, right like not make it about your nine to five, not to make it about you know having dinner, watching TV going to bed, like how could we really take everyone's day to day life and give them something happy to remember about at the end of the day, something mm. cool that happens, something different so I think that's what really kind of that curiosity and that creativity that started me into like the sports and entertainment space. And uh, like one example I'll give in college, I started a random acts of kindness club, just because Mm. you know those types of experiences, you wanna leave smiles on people's faces, right? Mm. And so we do like pop-up gorilla happiness events, I'd call them. So we do like a a bubble station that would just show up randomly one day on campus and people would be able to do the big bubbles and the small bubbles, take bubbles with them. all sorts of stuff. So that's the type of things that I like to do and why I'm happy to be in the sports and entertainment and esports space
0: yeah because a lot of it is just based on experiences right experiences is kind of like the the big thing the companies are trying to delve into right now because they're, they're memorable and you can't really buy that kind of marketing besides you know making a funny super bowl ad or something like that you have to kind of make experience and that makes it kind of more you know uh, uh more people leaning into that brand based on that experience but yeah you're not let's just get this off topic like you're not just some some you know suited up business guy coming in here you have two degrees uh, a ba from the university of San Diego and an MA uh, in sports management out of the university of San Francisco. So like you have a pretty hefty, you know, technical knowledge on what you're going through. And, and so I'm curious, I mean, what led you to pursue two degrees and what kind of benefit did that provide for you throughout your, your, I guess your, your business career?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd say it's, it's all part of the journey. It's all part of that curiosity. I knew that I was going to pursue a business degree in college. Uh, I've been kind of entrepreneurial minded in, uh, High school, I created the school's first dodgeball tournament and it was, it was awesome. Like we did it up with the works. We had like someone singing the national anthem, warm up music. Like it was a legit show. It was a lot of fun. So, I mean, I always knew that I wanted to get my hands in on the business side. Both my parents worked for themselves and then international business i come from a binational family my mm-hmm. dad's side is french my mom's side is american and just ha- having an understanding of that french heritage and culture uh, you know like wine at the dinner table was like very normal <laughs> for me growing up so um you know, wanted to kind of pursue that, and um, I did a minor in Spanish while I was at the University of San Diego doing my international business degree. To, you know, I knew, I was really into soccer at the time, so I knew Spanish speaking was really important around that space, and then ultimately i took a sports marketing class while i was there and that was really what open, opened me up to seeing that i could have a career in the sports industry it's mm. not like oh i could just play basketball or play soccer growing up with my friends like there's an actual <clears throat> business behind this and so that's what pursued or led me to pursue a sport management degree from the university of san francisco sport management program
0: I mean, you, you your kind of college course kind of have a lot of overlap with each other, right? Like the Spanish speaking degree coming from, you know, the, the kind of more uh, Latin American side of things, which they love football down there. Like, and, and, yeah. and I know France does, they have that national football team as well. They love that team. And, and the whole European Latin American aspect of, of, of cultures, it's a different kind of hemisphere based on what you see, you know, sports management and, and sports business out here in the U S it's a different kind mm-hmm. of beast, which, but I think that that lends itself more, more credence to you kind of going that route route right kind of taking taking those little be- benefits from those cultures and using it in in, in this space right
1: mm-hmm. absolutely totally just it's the combination like you said and you know that's what really just takes you on a unique path and i feel like i've been on a very unique path myself going through sports going through music getting into gaming. so uh yeah, happy to share more about it. Yeah,
0: for sure. So, uh, I mean, you've worked with a lot of startups too, right? The startup experience yeah. is kind of like the quintessential uh 21st century business experience at this point, right? It's, it's not for just for yourself, but through other clients, uh working with others. Is this w- would you call it a, a particularly like difficult road to go down uh, in today's day and age? Kind of in terms of putting in the man hours, putting in your own money, putting in uh, you know above average effort to get these startups going. It's it's kind of a, a hard thing to really grasp, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, I mean it definitely is. It's it's sometimes unreasonable the amount of work you have to put in. I almost it's funny I joke in saying it's kind of like a love relationship where like you'll do unreasonable things for love, right? Yes. But um, you know, it really ultimately comes down to loving what you do. I know myself, just personally, I'm a workhorse, so I can without blinking, put in tons and tons of hours and just, you know, I think ultimately what I strive for is making a difference at the end of the day and just knowing that I have that capability to, And, you know, just that strong drive and passion be like, okay, like I want to make this happen. One of the things entrepreneurially in college, I started a coffee mug, uh, business and mm. they were basically the concept was on the bottom base of the coffee mug that's set up upon the table. When you take a sip, it's usually blank on the bottom to the person across from you, it says made in China or something like that. And I was like, you know, what if there was like a phrase on the bottom? Someone wasn't expecting like, <laughs> I'm watching you or like shut up or like something <laughs> like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I started, you know, basically creating this business, marketing this b- business, had a YouTube channel, trying to sell B2C. And it was just so much work to have to work on generating all that content to sell one coffee mug to one person who liked it, right? Mm -hmm. So I ended up changing the business model, realizing, hey, I could go sell to souvenir shops. I could go sell the trade shows that would embrace that creative aspect uh, and sell tons more mugs for one client and with the same amount of effort as it would be just for the B2C. Um, So you know, tons of learning from startup experiences. And then, you know, urban soccer park, it was a soccer startup that I uh, worked with. They basically had a soccer, bo- soccer, soccer park in a box mm. product concept where basically you could customize, okay, I want the field to look like this. I want turf, I want these walls. And we build them on top of rooftops and in parking garages. And, uh, you know, was helping them to basically figure out how do you operate one of these things to make money? Like, if you wanted to run programming out of it, um, you know, host tournaments, things like that. Like, you know, how do you staff it? What kind of, you know, hours do you run it? Uh, what types of things do you need? All of that type of stuff. So, you know, really got me in hands, my hands dirty into working that you know, In that startup space where I had to know every single part of the business, and that's another thing I'll say true about startups is that you'll learn a little bit of the marketing side. You'll learn a little bit of the business management side. I was hiring staff, training staff. I mean, you name it. So, it, it is a, it's quite a different path, journey, but... If, uh, if you love it, it's worth it.
0: No, for sure. I'm sure it's a real trial by fire if you're not prepared for it. And if you are, you're kind of putting all your knowledge to the test, like in, in every humanly way possible. So it's, it's a lot to kind of grasp and kind of, Refocus and retinker. Sometimes it's it's a lot to, to really take in if you're not prepared for that kind of world. And so sure. you are. You've been well prepared. You've worked at the crossroads of sports and technology for a good while. You've had clients like Major League Baseball, San Francisco Giants. You've had uh, Facebook, Under Armour. You know, just to name a few of the, the bigger ones. Right? Exactly. Yeah. How much overlap is there between sports and technology and entertainment for you? Is it is it like a oh, there's a few things here and there, or is it kind of like an, a, an ongoing thread that keeps kind of building off itself and and kind of creating more opportunities.
1: Yeah, I think this has been one of the most exciting things about this time. And, you know, especially dur- during COVID, I think this was like the big wake up call, I call it, for the sports industry, mm-hmm. where, you know, we had games stopping, leagues stopping, players getting sick. And when all of that shuts down, the revenues are sharply impacted mm-hmm. in the sports organizations. And I think before, you know, they had it all figured out. They had the the franchises already secured. They had the leagues secured. They had their partners that they have been working with for years. They knew their target demographics, right? So there was really no pressure for the sports industry to innovate. Sure, they might have brought in some cool features, but it wasn't like a priority mm-hmm. where I feel like when the COVID pandemic came in, it was feast or famine right yes. like you have to adapt you have to survive and so we saw some you know really cool things and I, even things coming from the gaming space into sports like people that were like gamers that just stream right there was an event that i saw with steph curry and he was live streamed in his apartment which is like who gets to see (laughs) steph curry in his apartment right just just talking and it was around the black lives matter movement and like it was just like such a unique experience and that's the great thing about technology too is that it creates new assets that you could then monetize to partners and add to add value to that customer experience that you have, so you know I think it was very very uh it was very necessary mm. for for the sports industry to change, obviously you know very saddened by the impact that it's had on families and on people. I had many many uh coworkers and um people in my sports network that had lost their jobs and yeah. you know as quickly as those leagues are shutting down, they as well were losing their jobs, so it's been tough, but I think we're we're bouncing back we're learning a lot, and uh you know we're going to be taking a lot of learning from esports and uh I think in exchange, esports is going to get a lot of learning from the sports industry in terms of that infrastructure uh, to help support and um, maintain that revenue growth.
0: No, for sure. And I mean, the pandemic changes for for a lot of people. You know, I used to work for, for a radio station. And then <laughs> throughout the course of the pandemic, I find my, I found myself in a new position and then a new position again. And so now now I'm here talking to you, which is, you know, great stuff as always. I'm, I'm not going to say no to that, of course. But yeah. I mean, so you have these, these big name clients coming to you for for consulting advice and stuff like that how so what exactly does that relationship look like what do you do for them how do they approach you you know because you know you don't just sign somebody like Under Armour for a bit and just say like oh well I uh, I, I polished the floors for a bit that's what I did for Under Armour there's, there's obviously a little bit more to it than that right
1: yeah yeah I mean you definitely have to present a business opportunity for that client so that they you know, can be better off than they were before, right? Or you're solving a business problem for them. And so, for one of the products that we did, you mentioned Under Armour. So, a client of mine, Sporting Global, we, they are basically like the LinkedIn, but for the sports industry, right? So they have you have your user profile, you can apply to jobs, you can network, etc. And um, you know, talent in the industry is always, I mean. Important to build your organization on. You want to make sure you're having the best talent you can in the industry. And so, you know, bringing in companies like Under Armour to be a part of an event where we were all faced with a mutual crisis, which was how do we innovate? How do we adapt getting through the COVID-19 pandemic? So we created a uh, basically data and the future of sports Hmm. virtual event, bringing in these top speakers. We had the um, director of sports or yeah, director of sports innovation from Under Armour uh, work with us at that event to speak and provide tons of value to everyone just trying to figure out what is the next move? What are the next steps that we need to do? Um, And then, you know, in return, give back that, that brand image, showing how they are, you know, a leader in the space when it comes to sports and when it comes to technology. Um, so really great event that we had there. Um, and then, you know, support with other clients as well. So
0: no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a lot of work that goes into it and some, but I'm glad you kind of see the, the needs and the, of different people and you kind of see your own needs as well. And kind of through common you know common cause they they come together to kind of create something new and, and innovative so i'm sure do you know about the story about how steph curry signed with, with under armour or or, or no
1: <laughs> i i wish i knew the exact okay. story but but i don't know i mean i wasn't involved with that obviously no no no, no. But,
0: I, i'm like yeah. i know you're based on the san francisco area so i'm assuming yeah. you were a, a bit of a you know golden state warriors fan so you know about like nike presenting to steph and saying his his name was wrong the whole time then like stuff like whatever signed with Under Armour for a bajillion dollars becomes like their main spokesperson, which is always I'm, I'm a sports guy at heart. So I know yeah. that's I love those kinds of stories like that. But, but the stories I really get get me going are esports, of course. That's something that we talk about here. It's, t- it's the name of the podcast. It's what kind yeah. of what you're angling towards now. I mean, what was the what is the main attraction, I guess, for esports from a consultant perspective, from a business perspective? Is it really just as simple as it's reaching out to a demographic that hasn't traditionally been easy to get at before
1: what it really is i think right now i've i've worked with tons of clients that are trying to figure out how do we even make an entrance into this esports space like what is it i know it's booming i know it's it's happening but how do we like monetize in that space how do we build relationships with this like younger gamer demographic And I think that is really what has been attracting a lot of interest and activity in the industry. And what I think is really missing in that is a couple of things. I think one, you know, especially, you know, traditional sports um, clients not really having the understanding of of the of the industry of how it works of you know what the teams are leagues publishers like that's like all that stuff and like i had to learn that over the last few years right Mm -hmm. that's not something that i just came up growing being a gamer you know playing wow or starcraft earlier and then moving into this whole new space right so you know there definitely is you know that knowledge gap that is slowly over time getting better but I've seen time and time again that that is probably one of the first conversations that you need to have to ha- really help them in the understanding of you know what eSports is, who's participating in it, uh, what the revenue potential is, things like that um and the second thing is that it is still very much a maturing industry mm-hmm. and that you know the infrastructure that we have in place in sports like for example you have a talent pipeline right mm-hmm. like you start in your high school and then maybe you get to an academy and then you have this stage and that stage and then you get drafted and go pro right there's like not that in esports there are hundreds and hundreds of gaming communities and i'm like working one of my clients is a gaming community and it's just incredible how all these gaming communities have these players that they're trying to develop across Fortnite, CSGO, Valorant, whatever, and... You know, they're all trying to grow their brands, they're all trying to become better players, um, but there's not a direct way to do it. So it's very convoluted, very complicated, uh, complex environment. And the best way I've found about going about that is a lot of networking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's true in the sports industry as well, but at least it is more defined and obvious kind of where those, those people and connections are and how to get there. Whereas in esports, I don't think um, it is so transparent.
0: No, for sure. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's definitely like like you mentioned. It, talent pipeline is e- is easily defined among the major sports, but for esports, the way I heard it best described to me was it's like take a bunch of ping pong ping pong balls, throw them off mm-hmm. your balcony, and then kind of try and grab a few. And the, the ones you grab are the ones you kind of had to end up with, which is kind of it, it's it's hopefully it's changing soon. But I mean, what have you seen that kind of uh, gives better definition to this infrastructure that we're seeing in the future?
1: I mean, there's, there's companies that are working on it, right? Mm -hmm. Like pipeline.gg, for example, they're working on trying to make that happen. Um, You know, but I I think compared to sports also a little bit more, complicated Mm. than in traditional sports like sports like basketball soccer they've been around forever right you're trying to recruit for an apex team that (laughs) game's only been around for a couple years you know like that is not something that like and who knows how long it's going to be around for right maybe there's going to be some other game that comes into space and like okay you have this great apex player but are they as good at fortnite or as are they as good at halo infinite that's coming out right like how is that going to translate so And, you know, the way that these gaming publishers are approaching that is they're trying to keep these games relevant, right? They're developing the live content. They are, you know, of course, you're doing your uh, patch fixes and stuff like that, but they're really, you know, working with a lot of content creators, a lot of influencers um, to, you know, continue to monetize building leagues around it, you know, like Overwatch League, Call of Duty League, right? Like something to really cement in stone build those franchises around those leagues and establish some sort of permanency Mm. there. Because once you have that permanency there, then you're going to have more confidence from investors to be like, okay, we want to work with you. We want to invest in your brand or your league uh, or your team. Um, You know, we're willing to put in money for the contracts and that's, what's necessary to keep the industry sustained and growing, right? Mm. Money is what pumps, (laughs) pumps everything um, in entertainment. So
0: I mean, you're not wrong. It's 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 money makes the world go round for a reason. It's because you know you kind of need that capital to kind of keep things going for fans and for yourselves to kind of make a, make a living, if you will, and also make enter- entertaining entertaining things. But I mean, esports is really kind of this this epitome of not just you know sports and entertainment, but also technology. You know, it's it's all three of those things at once. It's the competition, it's the the, the drama, the storylines from those competitions, and it's how we get to see it: the streams, the live streams, it's uh, you know, the games themselves, how they're played. It's all kind of meeting each other out a head. And is that kind of when you describe it to an older kind of company or an older uh, leadership group, who is it dis- is it difficult for them to understand that? Like, really, is it from your from your experience? Is it like once they get it like, oh, that's what it is. Is it click for them a little bit easier once you explain it? Or is it still kind of like, uh, I guess it's the next big thing. We'll hop into it because the, the trends say we have to hop into it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's something I know for myself, it's something that clicked over time, but with Mm -hmm. my clients, I think it's definitely speaking a little bit of metaphors. So let's say, you know, Ariana Grande had the concert in Fortnite, right? So it's like, okay, well it's like Ariana, but she's an avatar form. Right. (laughs) And you know, people log into the game. Like you really have to like, explain it like step-by-step, like what this looks like. And, you know hard hard to know you know if these you know senior executives at these sporting organizations have you know played video games or played Fortnite themselves right like you literally have to walk them in like this is what it looks like and this is the experience and you know you have other avatars that are there and they're co-experiencing it right um, so i mean i think like i said with time it's it's definitely going to happen it's not it's just it's just part of the normal growing pains of any any new industry
0: for sure i mean what's the most difficult thing about building a product or 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 an opportunity around esports i mean besides the people of course who kind of have to get the concept in the first place but besides that what is something that kind of like man this if esports didn't have this it would be so much easier to to kind of present this
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the difficult things we mentioned earlier is definitely the infrastructure, the predictability of, you know, how the market is going to go. And I think that's really where good data is important, which is harder to come across around esports than you have in the sports industry. Um, But we're, you know, it's starting to come out, it's starting to you know, be there, we're seeing, for example, the top grossing, uh, games in the esports industry are mobile. You have like clash of clans, honor of Kings, PUBG, Pokemon go. Like these are all games that are grossing over $10 million a month. Mm-hmm. Right. So people are like, okay, I understand there's an opportunity here in, in the gaming space, but I think ultimately it comes down to a product market fit. And then also as well product partner fit which is you know just general you know business there as well but you know if you don't really understand your audience like I have a, a gaming Community client I'm working with, as I mentioned, it's you know 92 percent male, 13 to 15 year olds, you know so it's like okay, like once we have that data, once we understand, then okay, like what are the products that are going to work well with here? Well, you know maybe we look at some sort of like ax deodorant product, product, for example, right like what are what 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 makes sense here right in in this space? So you know it's really having that good data, and I think until you know there is really good better data around uh what's happening in the esports space then it will facilitate business for sure.
0: For sure. I mean, you just mentioned acts like body spraying 13 and 15 year olds. And I just had like a PTSD flashback to my middle school where I yeah, just yeah. like, uh, yeah, the, the smell was, I mean, I love, I love, uh, love ax <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's great for little moments, but it was like the, the smell permeating through a, a male locker room of 13, 14 year olds. It was insane. That is, that is, that is something that, that like triggered a memory in my, in the back of my skull. But I mean, yeah. you mentioned earlier, it kind of took you a while to wrap your head around like, what esports really was what it came down to i mean when you first heard about like we first heard the phrase esports or you heard the phrase competitive gaming what was your first reaction to it was it more of like a skeptical kind of i mean these people just playing games there's no way there's really something profitable here or was it something more along the lines of let's explore this a bit Let's, let's see what's happening here why are people driving into this this kind of scene
1: Yeah, I mean, growing up, like, I I played video games, I had a PS2, um, you know, loved playing Star Wars Battlefront, for example, and, like, other titles, like, yeah, you know, and, you know, definitely heard about, like, people gaming, and if there were tournaments, they were more, like, informal, right? It wasn't something like, oh, there's this official league, or there's, like, worlds happening for League of Legends, or whatever, right?
0: grassroots, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, super, super grassroots stuff. And, you know, when I did my master's degree in sport management, it was kind of talked about, but there still like wasn't a lot of weight behind the conversations. And I think mostly they're like don't get me wrong, like five years ago, there were still tons happening Mm -hmm. in gaming and esports. but I just feel like a lot of it was under the surface. It wasn't so much published about, right? Whereas like now, especially like since the pandemic, like people are like, oh, you know, it's a, you know, multi-billion dollar industry and blah, blah. blah. And then people are like, oh, hey, like maybe I should pay more attention to this, right? So, um, so yeah, so that's a, that's probably like the first times, like I've always kind of been around it and familiar with it kind of growing up, but not really hearing about it in terms of like a competitive space into really like the last five years or so.
0: No, for sure. I mean, nowadays it's, it's less about... The teams, honestly. It's more about the talent, the streamers, the personalities, the content creators, because those guys that have, you know, millions of views a day will literally do crazy things for these brands, like insane just what mm-hmm. the possibilities are. And so I guess where what do you think businesses are in terms of understanding and approaching like the talent and, and these content creators for things like brand outreach, sponsorship, partnerships, things of that nature. Do you think businesses are tr- just like seeing this person has a lot of outreach will connect with them or is there something more to it than that?
1: No, I mean, I think definitely the understanding in the industry is that the way to tap into different communities is to tap into these influencers mm-hmm. and these influencers have a certain demographic that they gravitate to, you know, next mm-hmm. age, you know, X, you know, gender, whatever, you know, they like, that is the strategy to acquire new audiences. And then you, I mean, you see it like in gaming, like Tim, the tap man, for example, just got signed exclusively over to YouTube, um, because they want to draw that audience away from Twitch. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think it's understood in the industry and I think, um, it's also happening in the sports space. You know I mean? Like you have talent like Steph Curry, where they're trying to hold into the warriors, um, even looking at international soccer, you have Ronaldo going back to Old Trafford, back to mm. Man United. Um, you know, Messi leaving Barcelona. I mean, like the teams know that it's it's the influencers, it's the talent that brings the eyeballs, that brings the viewer, that brings the fandom. Because um, people are following players more than they're following teams now. That's that's a trend that we've seen. Um, that is different, and I think it's no different in esports. And I think you know companies know that they have to they have to buy the talent in order. to earn those earn those views and leverage that to as an asset to basically monetize for sponsorship and advertising things like that
0: no for sure man i mean i'm just saying if steph curry left the golden state warriors to for the dallas mavericks uh, a steph curry mavericks t-shirt would like sell out in minutes there'd be none left literally in, in like nanoseconds it'd be gone before you even saw the the order now on your on your uh website but besides that it's it, you're right a lot of it is is based on talent, personalities, because that's what people gravitate towards on, in the digital space. It's kind of just like, who are these entertainers that are kind of, you know, doing it for for the kids nowadays or for the younger younger audience, and how much of an outreach they have, and if it's a lot, yeah. they kind of dictate where the market and where the trend goes, which is kind of weirdest. It's 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 kind of a little individualized, if you will, right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say this again for, you know, this esports team managers and players or individual streamers. I mean, it's amazing how you could just start your own, like just create a Twitch, right? And you could kind of start your own business being an influencer or a content creator is that, you know, definitely if you want to look at monetizing, getting into business, you got to collect the data around, you know, mm-hmm. who you're drawing towards you and you know, what your influence is and work on growing those, those numbers. Cause that's, you know, what people want at the end of the day, if they want to work with you, if it matches with their
0: audience. And it's yeah. all about the data, the data points, the numbers kind of help dictate those trends for companies to figure out what, what, is the most important for them right so let's talk about one of your clients right sporting global mm-hmm. they ha- they're having their own digital esports event the In invitational i yep. mean uh, how did that come about and and what do you ho- kind of hope to help them create with this this new kind of esports uh direction they're going in
1: for sure so yeah so over the past year during the covid pandemic i helped them pivot to doing virtual events instead of in-person events, um, to educate basically professionals in the sports industry, um, to further their knowledge about different sectors within sports and, um, to contribute to networking opportunities and, you know, ultimately support their careers, whether that's jobs and, you know, other destinations. And, uh, you know, we saw right now, given what's been happening in gaming and eSports and given that sports professionals, like we mentioned earlier, the knowledge gap that's kind of missing there. We wanted to create an event that was focused on eSports, bringing in people from you know eSports organizations, bringing in consultants that are working in the eSports space, bringing in content creators and streamers. Uh, we wanted these individuals there to really educate um, those that are wanting to learn more about esports, to really have a good understanding of it, and to ask us questions. We're going to have a series of panels there with these speakers um, speaking. So, um, you know, that was really the focus of the event because we feel like that's where we could create the most value, and that there's only going to be more opportunities coming up in esports and the esports industry definitely needs individuals that are knowledgeable about how to conduct business in the entertainment space. And having already known what that looks like in the sports ecosystem, how that's going to be valuable translating into esports as it works on building up that infrastructure itself.
0: For sure. So, uh, what are the details about the sport in Invitational? Right, like what? What's what? Are they going to play games? Are they going to play tournaments? Uh, prize money up for grabs? I'm yeah. <laughs> no, it's
1: it's it's going to be a live stream virtual event. Um, we are going to have four different panels. So, one panel is going to be on content creation and streaming. Uh, one uh, panel on esports team management one panel on careers and job opportunities within eSports, and then one about approaching eSports from a business perspective. Mm. And there'll be three to four panelists um, on each panel, um, and then networking opportunities as well within, and like I said, audience members can ask questions and, you know, we definitely recommend people checking out the sporting global platform as well. So you can, you know, see what opportunities and resources there are for you, for your career growth. For sure. It's going to be, uh, September 30th, uh, starting six o'clock AM Pacific time. Um, it's going to be an event spanning for us and Europe. So that's awesome. why we chose that. Awesome. Time zone.
0: Yeah. yeah that's, that's great stuff. It's 6 a.m. Pacific time. That sounds like, a- 8 a.m. my time, so I can I can wake up for that. You can wake up oh, for yeah. that. Everybody can wake up for that. All right, we can make this happen. <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll be sure to kind of check it out as well, and I'll I'll uh, I'll send you my thoughts on it. Maybe next time we'll, sure. we'll we'll put me on the panel or something. No, 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 no. But I mean, uh, I guess you, you, I've asked a lot, of, a lot of questions and stuff like that about you know what companies have reacted to and what they're looking for. But what is like the latest? kind of either a strategy or, or or even a tidbit that more companies should be aware of when they move into the esports space? Is it something to just keep in mind, like, you know, these, these players are younger. It's a very young leaning demographic. Like, what is something that a lot of these companies need to be aware of before they, like, decide to move into esports?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... This is what we're going to be seeing in the future of esports. I think one is the development of the metaverse. Uh, I don't if you haven't seen Ready Player One, watch it. I think that is like probably the easiest visual to kind of get an understanding of what that looks like. But complete virtual world, virtual economy, virtual experiences, um, and you know, gaming companies, Roblox, Epic, others are working to make that a reality, which I think will happen within the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that's really exciting to look forward to in you know just tons of monetization opportunities within that virtual world we have crypto um, growing alongside it and we have nfts as well um, coming up in that space too and i just i see a lot of potential uh, opportunities there for businesses in that space uh secondly we have sports betting legalization um it's legal in ha- about half of us states um esports i think is going to follow a similar trajectory as well um and you know besides sponsorship gambling is a huge contributor to you know sports in general so um, i think that's going to pump a lot of you know blood into the industry to keep it going and growing um we've already seen a lot of this but you know continual, continual buy-up of influencers, you know, for exclusivity onto certain platforms or buying up of like gaming s- studios, you know, from a publisher standpoint, it is extremely competitive to create a hit game, like mm-hmm. to create the next Apex or the next, you know, Fortnite, you know, it's really, really tough. And so what we see a lot of these publishers doing is buying up tons of game studios, right? On the hope that one of them will bank um, covering for the costs of the others that they've bought up. So just seeing more conglomeration of content, um, both you know, game publishers and content creators, we're going to see um and then i think what's also really interesting is that we have these like big tech companies such as like netflix like getting into the gaming space right and creating uh basically these gaming subscription models like Mm. we already have for game pass on xbox um and then amazon with luna as well getting into that space too so um you know these are different models outside of the in-game purchases you know the microtransactions within games and you know even different from what we had way before then, which is like you'd buy the game and that was basically it, right? (laughs) You got your $50 copy of your game. Um, And then two last things. One, uh, we talked about the talent pipeline earlier. That's definitely going to become more and more refined um, as we kind of move forward into the industry. So lots of opportunities I see there uh, to support in that space. And then lastly, uh, mobile gaming, Mm. I think. You know, we all have one of these in our pocket, I'm holding a if you're watching. Um, the accessibility that, you know, mobile games has to people. And more people are casual gamers than they are competitive gamers, right? So I, there's just a much larger audience, tons of ways to monetize. And um, what's interesting too, there are even, you know, ways to like play to earn, where mm-hmm. basically you play a game and you can earn, you know, money by, by playing games. So that's, that's going to be really interesting how the future is going to shake up. But I think ultimately tons and tons of opportunity in the space. That's why I've gotten myself into it. That's why I love, you know, being creative and supporting my different clients with their monetization initiatives within the space. Um, so yeah, no, that's, man. that's a lot. <laughs> it's it's a
0: lot, but, but it's it's something that we all have to keep in, uh, in mind. I, mean, I think I say this over and over, right? Like the, the 2020s will be probably one of the most pivotal points for esports moving forward, right? Because it, it'll be a lot of when regulations are set in place. It'll be a lot of when the revenue kind of uh, avenues are kind of discovered for like positively. And, and, and people can kind of look at that for the future and everything. And it's just kind of it's a different space. Uh, that we'll look forward to in 2030, I think it's it's, it's it's a lot to talk about for the future, but you know it's something that I like to talk about because it's 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 interesting to see where the market trends in you know the far future or something, which is always interesting yeah. to me. Interesting to I me. I think
1: I heard something that they said that COVID accelerated the pace of technology by like five years or something. Yeah, so definitely agree with you.
0: You're not wrong at all. I think it's 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 I, I don't know. I need, I need to know where you where you heard that. Cause I need to read that article or, or watch that video or something. But that sounds right up like the perfect alleyway that we we're discussing today. So Christian, um. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, man. You've been an absolute pleasure to talk to. Uh, I, I can't tell you this. This insight has given me more to think about than I thought I, I ever had to think about before. So I, I, let me thank you off the top for that. So that's awesome to, to think about, but um, Christian Martin and associates. You have a website as well. We we'll link that in the podcast description, just in case you want to check them out. Um, where can people find you on the internet? If they want to either follow along with what you're doing or what your clients are doing, or just kind of have any questions they want to shoot you a, a note or something like that is it LinkedIn discord. What else?
1: yeah definitely i mean connect with me on linkedin you know if you're curious learning more about the gaming space you're part of a startup you're launching a new product or service um you know feel free to contact me uh, it's a uh, linkedin slash in slash one christian martin that's my linkedin um that's probably the best way to reach me
0: perfect and we'll we'll have that all in the podcast description as well and so that way people can get in touch with you directly and don't have to worry about having to uh, type in a url that they get wrong all the time because they you know what it happens <laughs> it happens yeah. so christian uh, again i can't thank you enough for coming to the show man it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you so uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy busy work schedule to hop on with us
1: I appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks so much. Pleasure being here.
0: So he's Christian Martin, uh, head consultant, or I guess the, the lead behind Christian Martin and associates. And I'm Kevin Correa right here on the eSports network podcast. (laughs)